0: Welcome to the Sunday Morning Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Worthing. This message is by Colin Urquhart. Hi, well it's so good to come into your home today and to be able to bring the Word of God under the anointing of His Spirit. I've been uh, writing yet another book not in the way I usually write a book which is to sit down and spend all day for two or three weeks writing But this is a book where just for an hour or two uh, I write just as the Lord gives me the next part of the revelation that he wants to impart to his people and this is actually a book about a diamond the greatest diamond in the world and uh, I borrowed from my wife this morning her engagement ring which has a nice sparkling diamond in it I don't suppose uh, you can see that very clearly but I can see it now reflecting the light I can see that there are many different facets to it and uh, it really is, of course, a very meaningful gift and my wife and I gave her this 56 years ago. And there's a bit of a story actually behind this because uh, when we got engaged, my my wife was living with uh, one of her cousins uh, in the parish where I was a curate and uh, he had uh, his cousin, who was had another relative, who worked in Hatton Garden, and Hatton Garden, of course, is the center one of the world's centers for the whole diamond industry. And he said, uh, I'll, "I'll speak to him, and you can go up to Hatton Garden, into his uh, workroom, and uh, you can choose the diamond, and and he'll have it." put uh, uh, into a setting of a ring, so there I went uh, up to Hatton Garden in my dog collar young twenty four year old then and uh, I, I I met this this lovely gentleman, and he had in front of him this uh, velvet um, sheet on which was placed all these magnificent diamonds, I dread to think how much all those diamonds would have been worth. But uh, he had already been primed as to why I was there, and he said to me, now, the important thing is to realize that the value is in the stone, not the setting. So he said, how much do you have to spend? And well, I was earning nine pounds a week at that time, and uh, uh, my resources were therefore severely limited, because I'd come to be ordained straight from university, from college, so uh, I didn't have any uh, residual cash with which to buy an engagement ring. So I was a bit embarrassed about the, the small amount that I was going to tell this man who dealt in all these magnificent jewels. Um, but he said, well, okay for that, what you need is a good quality diamond as large as you can afford. And so he picked out this diamond and he said, that, that is the best one for you. Uh, I actually worked out what it's worth now. It's worth a lot more than I paid for it then. Uh, And uh, he said, you just go away for an hour and I'll have it put in a setting for you and you can come back and pick it up. So, I managed to get a diamond ring out of Hatton Garden. But I learned, you see, this great lesson, the value is in the stone, not the setting, in the stone. What is this diamond that I'm writing about? This diamond is the love of God. And you see, the love of God is like this diamond, has many different facets to it. Of course, before that was the case, it had to be cut and it had to be polished. Otherwise, it would not reflect the light. As you know, a diamond in uh, the natural when it's dug out of the ground looks very different from what you would see in a ring or in any other kind of jewelry. So there's been a cutting and and polishing process going on in our lives so that the love of God can be reflected in our lives in the way that He intends. Now, of course, this diamond representing God's love while it's in the box can accomplish nothing. It can't reflect the light. I can take it out of the box, put it in my pocket. It's now in darkness so it still can't reflect the light. It's only when this diamond comes into the light, I can see it sparkling here with all many different colors, what actually happens is when the light of God's truth is reflected upon the different facets of the love of God, the light of the glory of God is revealed. Now, that's what God intends for the light of his glory to be shining out of our lives. But that can only happen as the light reflects on the different facets of God's love that He's already poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And... Uh, Whenever that happens, something beautiful takes place and something that glorifies God. Now, of course, this is dependent upon the light reflecting on the diamond, the Word of God being fulfilled in the life of a believer causes then the light of his glory, something of this love to be reflected in the lives of people. Now, we're going to have a look in a moment at some of the different facets of this love. But of course, we're talking about the love of God. We're not talking about human love. We're not talking about human emotion. We're not talking about a love that's dependent upon feelings. We're talking about the kind of love that was reflected in the life of Jesus, the the love that he was exhibiting during his life and ministry, the love that enabled him to make disciples, the love that enabled him to heal the sick, the love that enabled him to see people set free from demonic powers, The, the, the love of God that had that compassion, was he looked upon the people, for they seemed to be like sheep without a shepherd. That love that was reflected in the way that he was merciful, as, for example, to the woman who was caught in adultery. He didn't condemn her, but he forgave her. The love that is reflected, really, in everything that Jesus was teaching. In the Sermon on the Mount, as he taught about the kingdom of God, and in the parables that he taught, like, for example, the parable of the prodigal son, where the father receives this repentant son back, not, not with judgment, not with, with any sense of condemnation, but he received him in love. He gave him the best robe to, to be put upon him. He gave a ring for his finger. Ring, of course, symbolizing love. It symbolizes the fact that God's love is unending round. There's no end to it. And so God's love for us is eternal. And the love that God has poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit is that same love that was in Jesus, that love that is eternal. Now, we know that the Word of God in the Old Testament as well as in the New Testament says that we're to love the Lord our God with all our hearts, minds, souls, and strength. That we're to love our neighbor as ourselves. And we know that as Jesus established the new new covenant that was to be sealed in the sacrifice of his blood, he gave a new commandment of love. You are to love one another as I have loved you. And when he was teaching the disciples at the Last Supper, Jesus even made this amazing statement, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. And it never ceases to amaze me that Jesus loves me in the same way that the Father loved him while he was here on earth. And that same truth is true for you. Jesus loves you in the same way that the Father loved him. So the Father's love for the Son is actually in you. And this is another thing that Jesus said, that that the Father's love for the Son would be in us. That, That God wants actually us to have the Father's love for Jesus, not just our human love, not just the weakness of a love that changes with circumstances and feelings, but this eternal quality of God's love that is always the same, that never diminishes. You see, this diamond is always the same. Its effectiveness depends upon how the light catches it, so that the glory, if you like, that is in the stone then gets revealed. So God has poured this love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. When we're born again and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, when we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, we're baptized in this love, the same love with which Jesus was baptized at the beginning of his ministry. So we have this precious diamond, not in our pocket, not in a case, but actually in our hearts. And that's why God's done the cutting and polishing, the refining in our hearts so that more and more of the light of his glory will be reflected through that love that he's put within us. Now at that Last Supper, in chapter 13 of John's Gospel, we read that Jesus Jesus did a remarkable act of love for his disciples. And the chapter begins in the truth version in this way. Jesus knew the time for him to return to the Father had arrived. It was now just before the Passover feast. He had loved all those who belonged to him while in this world and now was about to demonstrate how great that love was. Now, how did he demonstrate the greatness of that love? The first thing he did was to get on his knees before his disciples, who were reclining at the table, and he washed their feet. That was an act not only of humility, but shows how deeply Jesus loved those disciples. Now, of course, this was only a prelude to what was going to happen the following day when the most amazing demonstration of God's love was displayed on the cross when Jesus was crucified for our salvation. But while this feet washing was going on, some interesting things were taking place. For example, he even washed the feet of Judas, who was to betray him. And when he came to Peter, you remember that Peter was very reluctant to let Jesus do this. And, and uh, Peter said, you know, you'll never wash my feet. And Jesus said, well, if I don't wash your feet, then you have no part with me. You can't live in fellowship with me. So Peter, being Peter, said, well, in that case, give me a bath, Lord. Don't just wash my feet. But Jesus says, no, no, you don't need a bath. You've already been cleaned by my word. But, you know, the feet get dirty with use. And so the feet need to be washed regularly. We could say that our hearts need to be constantly washed and cleansed by Jesus. And you know, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He was a servant then, he's a servant now. And still, he washes our feet He he sort of comes from the glory of heaven. He descends to our limit. He he comes down into our circumstances, even, even when perhaps we don't feel very close to the Lord, even when it may be that we know there's been some sin or disobedience or some problem with which we're really wrestling, but he comes down in his love to wash our feet to serve us it says in the epistle to hebrews that he now serves us from heaven in the power of an eternal indestructible life so that's how he expresses this love for us now in the power of an eternal indestructible life he is washing our feet washing our hearts, cleansing us, empowering us, enabling us to actually fulfill his commandments of love. When you think about love, you think, well, how can you command people to love? How can you command them to feel emotion and Uh, and, and, and feelings of love for other people. But, you see, that's to misunderstand the love of God. The love of God isn't emotion. The love of God is expressed in action. It's an active love. God loved the world that He gave His Son. It's a love that is expressed in giving. So, Jesus expresses this full extent of His love in first washing the disciples' feet, than in giving his life for them. And Jesus has given his life for us, and we wouldn't be, we wouldn't be praising him and worshipping him and being in relationship with him now, unless he'd done that, of course. But also we have this amazing understanding that every day of our lives, Jesus wants to serve us. He wants to come and do whatever is necessary in His love for us to keep us in that place of Him so that this love that is poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit can then be revealed to other people. That all the different facets or aspects of that love can then shine out of our lives to be a blessing to those all around us. Now, a very well-known passage of Scripture is in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and this is going to come up uh, on your screen. This is uh, a passage where Paul describes the nature of the love of God. He begins the chapter, before the verses that we're going to look at in detail, he begins the chapter by saying that if we use the gifts of the Holy Spirit, whether we speak in tongues, whether we prophesy, if we do that without love, then those things that we do mean nothing. That if we have faith, even faith that can move mountains, faith that can perform miracles, faith that seems to do astounding things but have not love, then in God's eyes those things mean nothing. That everything has to be done in love. And the motto of kingdom faith has always been, since its very inception, the scripture from Galatians where Paul says, the only thing that counts is faith working through love. We can't do anything of any significance without faith in Jesus, trusting him. As we trust in ourselves, we know that we'll fail. But when we trust in him, there's godly success. But that trust must always be in love. And Jesus, you remember, prayed before he went to the cross and said, Praying for all those who would become believers in the future, which includes us. Father, may they be one so that the world will know that you have loved me even as you have loved them. What was Jesus praying? He was saying, Father, I want that that same love that has united me with you during my ministry. I want that same love to be in them. I want that love to unite them. I want that love, therefore, to shine out of their lives so that you can be glorified, that much fruit can come out of their lives so that you are glorified and the world sees the light of your glory shining through the love of your children. That's what he was praying for. So Paul says, it doesn't matter how spiritual you think you are or how many things that you can do through the gifts and empowering of the Spirit, they, in the eyes of God, are worthless unless they're done in love. And then Paul begins to describe this love. These are the qualities of the love God gives us. His love in us enables us to be patient and kind. Mm -hmm. I've come across many Christians during the course of my ministry that have a problem with impatience. And they want to pray, Lord, give me more patience. You know God will never do that. What you are actually saying is that you need more love because patience is an expression of that love. When we are patient with others, even if they can be very exasperating at times, something of the light of the glory of God is reflected because we're actually, we're actually exhibiting one of the facets of that diamond. The same is true with kindness. I mean, you only have to think of how patient God is with you. I mean, look... You know that there's been things that you've struggled with over a period of time. God has been patient with you. Again and again, he said, trust me, trust me, trust me. And he's waited for you to come round to his way of thinking, back to his will, and then everything gets resolved. He patiently waits for you, just like that father patiently waited for the prodigal son to come back to his ways. And when he did, he treated him with kindness. As we saw just now, he didn't rebuke him, he didn't punish him. He gave great gifts to him. He restored him. He actually enabled him to go into the feast. He he had a feast on behalf of that son. The elder brother, of course, didn't like that because he was full of his own religious self-righteousness. He didn't have the same heart of compassion. He wasn't reflecting the love of God. The Father, of course, represents our Heavenly Father in the parable, and he does reflect the love, obviously, because God is love. So that patience and that kindness goes together. But you see, kindness is expressed so often in giving. God's grace abounds in our lives every day, and God's grace is God giving everything to those who deserve nothing. My wife said, you better look after that, so I'm I'm doing just that. You see, that grace is God constantly giving, constantly giving, constantly giving, because he has a heart of kindness. And that's the heart that he's put into you. And he, he is, has given you that love that is expressed in patience. Those are just two facets. We'll have to move on uh, because we want to have a look at some of the other things. Um, so when motivated by this love, we do not envy others. We don't have to be envious. We don't have to be jealous of other people. Why? Well, look at what God in his kindness has given you. He's given you his spirit. He's given you Jesus to live within you. He's given you salvation. He's given you eternal life. He's given you the gift of his kingdom. All these things are within you. God has blessed you in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. What is there to be envious about? You see, you have the richest diamond in the world. Far, far, far more valuable than any natural diamond. This is the diamond of God's love that is in your heart even now. So, when motivated by this love, we don't envy others, neither do we boast. What have we got to boast about? I mean, the scripture is very clear. The only way that we ever are to boast is we're to boast in the Lord, to boast about the Lord, to boast of what the Lord has done. But we've got nothing to boast about what we have done. I mean, even even when the light reflects on the facets of this diamond in your life so that something of the light of the glory of God, something of the truth reflects on your heart and life so that something of the light of the glory gets reflected into the lives of other people. Even when that happens, what have you done? You see, you might have responded to the Word, but it's what the Spirit does in causing that light to reflect that actually impacts the lives of other people. So even if God uses you to bless others in different ways, all the glory, all the honor, all the, tr- all, all, all the praise really belongs to him, doesn't it? I mean, I've seen God do so many wonderful things uh, in, in all the years of my ministry, but I'm absolutely conscious that I haven't done any of them. That if God does something through me, it's God that has done it. It's not me. You and I, we're we're just the messengers. We're just the servants. And we need to take that that, that leaf out, out of Jesus' book where, you know, when he wanted to show the full extent of the love, the first thing he did was to get down on his knees and start to serve, to wash the disciples' feet. Amazing example, isn't it? So... We don't boast, nor are we proud. What are we got to be proud about? Because we know, we, we, we're thankful for all those blessings of the first minute that we've, we've looked at in recent weeks. How God has made us holy and blameless in his sight. He's made us righteous and totally acceptable to him. But we of ourselves can do nothing. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. He even said of himself in his own humanity that he was able to do nothing of himself. He had to depend upon the Father for the light of the glory of God to shine out of his life and ministry, just as we need to depend upon Jesus and depend upon the Spirit of Christ within us, the love of God within us, in order that the light of his glory will shine out of our life. So we don't have anything to be proud about in ourselves. If God has used us, praise the Lord, but all the glory goes to Him. It doesn't matter whether anybody else recognizes what we have done or not, so long as God knows and you know, that's all that matters. Oh, it's nice to be thanked, isn't it, and to be appreciated, but we're not dependent upon that. So often, this love of God will pour out of our hearts and lives and it will be met with rejection or people will just take it for granted. They will take what we do for them for granted and there won't be any thanks. But we don't need to take umbrage at that. We don't need to be hurt or offended by that because we didn't do it except for the glory of God, for to honor him, to praise him, to see the outworking of his will. That's all that matters. You know, sometimes God says to me, thank you, Colin. I I feel about that small when he says that because I think, well, but you know, he appreciates it when we trust him. It pleases him when something of the light of his glory shines out of his life uh, out of our lives because we are exhibiting some facet of the diamond of his love that he's put within us. God's love in us is not rude. Huh. What does this mean? Well, you, you you'd never express the love of God by being rude to people. The, the world is full of rudeness, but the kingdom isn't. And we belong to the kingdom of God. No, we're called to honor one another, to honor others, not be rude to them, not to be rude about them, not to even speak about them behind their back in a negative way. But we want to honor them. We want to encourage them. Love builds up. It doesn't pull down and destroy. So every time we honor others, something of the light of the glory of God is shining out of your life. Wonderful, isn't it? Because we we can do this in the power of the Holy Spirit. We can see these things being reflected in our lives. Nor is God's love self-seeking. God's lovingness is not rude nor self-seeking. You see, in the world people are taught to look after number one, put self at the center. But of course, in our lives, self isn't at the center, Jesus is at the center. And therefore we know we're not seeking things for ourselves, we're seeking to do the will of God. We want to honor him by being loving and obedient to his will and to his word. We we want the light of his glory. Because, you see, if the light of his glory is shining out and touching the lives of other people, then he has been glorified. We're somehow adding to the glory of God because we're expressing that glory in our lives. And you see what this scripture is teaching us is that that glory is is reflected in very practical situations. We might not even be conscious of when we're honoring someone that we're reflecting the light of his glory, but in fact we are. So you know we can all live to glorify the Lord. There's there's nothing mystical about it. It's just very very practical. We are not roused to anger quickly. Ooh, hoo, hoo, hoo. Oh, some people say, Oh Lord, I have a problem with anger. Make, make, you know, deal with it. Look, your problem isn't anger, your problem is a lack of love, of not allowing the light of God's truth to reflect on those facets of love within you. Isn't it amazing? that no matter what you get up to, no matter how many times you fail, God or other people, he's not angry with you. He never punishes you, because God poured all your punishment onto Jesus when he died on the cross. The punishment that brought us peace was laid on him, and by his stripes we are healed. This is the mercy of God. This is the grace of God. This is the love of God. That same love that is to be reflected in us. We're not aroused to anger quickly, so even if people fail us, even if they offend us, even if they let us down, we refuse to be offended. We refuse to get all upset. We refuse to hit back. Why? Because the Scripture says that we certainly do not keep a mental record of the wrongs others have committed. You see, the great thing is this. When Jesus forgives you, that's it. There's no record. He doesn't keep a record in heaven of the sins he's forgiven. There is a book of life, a book of your life, there's the book of life in which your name is written, But it says that on the Day of Judgment, the books will be opened. And there's a book with your name on it. And in in that book is everything that you have done apart from the sins that have been forgiven. You see, God, when he forgives you, he wipes out of the record the existence of that sin. He does not keep a record of your wrongs. Are you shouting hallelujah at the television screen or your computer screen? Because you need to. Hallelujah. But neither, you see, are we to keep record of the wrongs of others. If, if, if they do anything to offend us, we are to forgive them as Jesus forgives us. Now, we all know that. But you see, if we have forgiven, then we'll keep no record of wrongs. In other words, we, we won't, be offended. We won't treat people in a different way than we treated them before. If we forgive them, we go back to treating them the way that we were able to treat them before the offence took place. We keep no record of wrongs. And that enables the light of his glory to shine out of our lives because people see how In some way, we are reflecting not only the forgiveness, but the mercy of Jesus, the grace of Jesus, the love of Jesus. I mean, it really speaks to people when they've done something to offend you and you're not upset with them because you've forgiven them and you don't keep any record of wrongs. When God's love works through us, we take no delight in what he regards as evil. Evil in Scripture is darkness. God's love is light. So we don't rejoice in anything that is darkness because, you see, as we saw, if you put the ring in the darkness, if put the diamond in the darkness, it can't reflect the light. So we don't rejoice in anything in our lives that. Inhibits or restricts this reflection of the light of the glory of God shining out of our lives. Rather, the scripture says, we rejoice in the truth that sets people free from evil. It's the light, you see, it's the light of the truth of God that hits this diamond that is within you, and the glory of God shines out of your life. You rejoice. And you see, this, this brings us back to uh, the scripture that says, you know, love, love does not envy. You see, if you love other people and you, and you see your brother or sister really being blessed by God in a way that you'd love to be blessed... You don't get all upset with God that they've been blessed more than you. You're rejoicing with them. You're thankful to God for the blessing that He's poured into your life. Supposing you're praying for a number of people to be healed, and you know, some of them receive remarkable works of God's healing, remarkable miracles of healing, but you need healing yourself. You don't say, well, Lord, it's all right for them, but look at me. No, no, you're rejoicing with them. You're praising God. You rejoice in what He's done because your brother your sister who you love has been blessed by God and as you rejoice with them from your heart not not just putting on an appearance of doing it but as you rejoice something of the light of the glory of God is shining out of your life. Those who truly love now we come to a series of things where the scripture says this is always true about love, always. Those who truly love always protect others. So you defend your brother and sister in Christ against any who would want to accuse them or speak against them or criticize them or judge them. I mean, your attitude is, oh, I'm not listening to that. You're talking about my brother or sister in Christ. And you see, as Jesus said when he forgave the woman who was caught in adultery, that he who is without sin cast the first stone. So why listen to criticism from somebody who is not perfect? I mean, this is where we all need to look to ourselves, isn't it? To make sure that we are in that place where the perfection of Christ that is given us in the first minute is being reflected in our lives as fully as possible. But we know that we need Jesus to wash our feet every day because every day we need his mercy. We need his love to touch our hearts and lives. So in his love, God always protects us. I've lost count of the number of times I know that God has protected me, sometimes from, from people that even want to kill me. There was, a, there was one occasion when a man was sent to shoot me while I was preaching at a meeting. And by the grace of God, he was not able to do that. It's a long story. There's no time to go into it now. But you see, we are under the protection of God. The devil likes to steal, kill, and destroy. But God gives us this love, his life, in all abundance. And his life is his love, so he's given us this abundant love. So those who truly love always protect others. They always trust. That's sometimes a challenge, isn't it? Because if we know that sometimes people are likely to fail us, we have to be wise, don't we? In, in in the way in which we trust others. But just as God has entrusted himself to us, I mean, just think of this. He has entrusted himself to come and live in you by the power of his Spirit, knowing that there will be times when you will fail him, knowing that like Peter and like the others, there will be times when when you fail to do what he's wanting you to do, there will be times when you sin, there will be times when you grieve him, but he still has entrusted himself to you. That's a measure of his love. And he says, well, love always trusts. So I want that to be reflected in your life. And those who love are always full of hope. Now, to be full of hope is to look to the future with positive attitudes and are always full of hope, always looking forward with a positive mindset, not with negativity. God's love is expressed in being positive, not in being negative. The only negatives are to deny, to take that shield of faith against all the fiery darts of the enemy, against everything of the flesh or or, or of the world that would want to restrict the light of his glory shining out of our lives. Anything that is a contradiction to that love. So they always persevere regardless of the circumstances. That's the love of God. Sometimes, you know, we feel it's too much. We, how are we going to keep going? Other times, you know, it's, it's as if, oh, Lord, 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 I just need to see a breakthrough in this situation. I need to see a breakthrough in this situation. And God says, trust me. Go on trusting me. Just keep trusting me. Keep abiding in my love. Keep living in my love. Keep walking in my love. I know, I know, I know, God says. I know all about it. I've got it in hand. Trust me. That's the love of God. And we need to persevere in our love for others. Some people are incredibly difficult to love, aren't they? There are some people that want to give love but not receive it. But if we're to love one another as he has loved us, we have to give and receive that love. And then there's this one final statement in this passage. So God's love never fails, never fails us. Now, what I want is for God's love in me never to fail anybody else. Sadly, inadvertently, I'm sure there are times when I have failed others. God's love has not been reflected in my life in the way that he wants I'm not proud of that, but I thank God for his mercy and his forgiveness. But what I want, what I pray for, is for the love of God to shine out of my life so that the light of his glory is reflected on this diamond. Now, you see, every one of these qualities that has been mentioned in this passage is a different facet of this one diamond. And and you see, in that diamond, there's no negatives, no jealousy, no envy. Everything, no rejoicing with evil, everything is positive. And that love that God has poured into your heart by the Holy Spirit is simply positive. Now, in the light of, of, of all this, how are we to pray now? Because I believe, you see, that God doesn't want this morning's message to be just a message about love. I believe what he wants to do is to release that love in our hearts and lives in a new way, in a fresh way. When that happens, it's, you know, uh, this is where language can defeat us almost, because it's like, you know, feeling that the love of God comes upon us afresh. But really, in reality, what I think is happening is the love that God has put within us is being released through us in a fresh way. And I believe that God wants to actually do that now as we pray. He wants to release that love afresh. And that what you're going to experience in these coming days, in this, in this coming week and beyond, of course, is you're going to see that as the Word of God is being fulfilled in your life in different ways, the light will reflect of some of these facets of his love in your life and God will be glorified. Perhaps in a way that would not have happened if God hadn't released this love afresh in you So shall we pray together? Where you are now, just close your eyes. Just listen to the voice of Jesus. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now abide in my love. Just rest in my love. Remain in my love. You see, God has not only put that love into you, he's put you into that love. And right now, wherever you are, He is enfolding you in that love. That love is within you. That love is upon you. That love is all around you. And his word is, Abide. Live in my love. And you can respond to the Lord by saying, Lord, I want that love that you have poured into my heart by your Spirit to be released more fully in my life. So I ask you to forgive anything that has been going on in my life that is a hindrance to that. I don't want any areas of darkness that will restrict or inhibit the light of your glory shining out of my life. And you know the Lord is forgiving you right now. And in His love, He's not keeping any record of wrongs. Those things no longer exist. Thank Him that He's washing your feet at this moment. Cleansing your heart. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me, cleansing you of anything that is counterproductive to the love of God being shed abroad in your heart. And as you thank the Lord that He comes and serves you and washes your feet, thank Him that He serves you now from heaven in the power of an eternal, indestructible life. That that life, that love, eternal life, eternal love, is within you. Thank Him for that precious gift. That the kingdom of love, the reign of love, the rule of love is within you by His gracious gift. And now just ask Him, please, Lord. Let that love, the love of your Spirit that you have imparted to me be released through my life in a fresh way, in a greater way than I have ever known. I want to see the light of your glory shining out of my life. This is the first Sunday in Advent. And you know there's a Christmas carol, love came down at Christmas. We want to show the love of God during this season. When all the world's just concerned about whether people can get together over Christmas, we are concerned to see the love that came down at Christmas being revealed to the world that so needs that love. So thank the Lord for all the ways in which by His grace, by His mercy, by His enabling, the light of His glory is going to shine out of your life in these coming days, weeks, months, years. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you've heard us. And we know that you always hear us. How can we adequately thank you for such love? All we can do, Lord, is pray that more of that love will flow out of our lives to touch the lives of other people and that you will be glorified as the light of your glory shines out of us. Praise your holy name. Amen.